Oh, man. I, so here's the deal. This is the Brian Oak Show, episode 69. <laughs> 69. Uh, I Only because this is the only time we'll ever have episode 69, I'd like to go on record as saying worst sexual position <laughs> ever. We're going to lose Patreon members. This is They're going to disagree. <laughs> Not okay, that well, they're offended. I, They'll sorry, just <laughs> sorry. Bye. Bye. Okay. You Bye, know Felicia. Because here, well, I, easy guy. Easy. <laughs> I, I, I don't, we're allowed to say that anymore. Here's the thing about sixty nine. Is like you know, I, I understand we all want to get adventurous. We all want to get weird. We all want to have a good time. We all want to explore, right? I mean, I'm in the same boat, but I have a better idea. Let's take turns. 69 is very distracting. It's a very, very distracting. Let's take turns. So, uh, so we could do it at the same time, and yeah, it's fun, adventurous, maybe like our on our third date, something. I I don't know. It's up to the individual. You, I was thinking you, maybe we'd go, uh, you know, go to Applebee's, and then maybe uh, 69 after you, that. You, <laughs> again, to, to each their own, to every individual oh, their own, but to boy. me, it's the single least favorable so-called, and I'm using air quotes, sexual position there is. I'll, I'll tell you what, let's take turns. Like, I'll, I'll even let you go first. You go first, let me take care of business, and then you do the same thing where I can relax. Like, But when you're doing it at the same time, there's like, oh, I'm working, but I'm also enjoying, but I'm working, but I'm enjoying, but I'm working. Boo. I, so this is episode number 69. <laughs> I have fucking hated 69 since the first time I tried it. I fucking hate it. You've been waiting 68 episodes to <laughs> talk about this. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting a lot longer than that. This is the Brian Oak Show, episode 69. That's Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. We are uh, recording in the Smart Start MN studio. And coming up today, we are talking to one of the... I don't think this is hyperbole, and correct me if I'm wrong. Most celebrated Minnesota drummers of all time? I would say he's, yeah. I can't, I can't think of I can't think of his equal or his rival at this point. Uh, he's mesmerizing. When you see him drum, uh, it's hard to not be focused on him drumming and just be totally blown away. And I'm I'm not I'm not trying to say there aren't amazing Minnesota drummers because there are hundreds of them, but this guy has carved out a place in the Minnesota rock pantheon. I mean. Who gets to play with Prince, uh, Backstreet Boys, Nick Jonas, and be a regular? And now he's a full-time member of Soul Asylum. Shaka Khan. I mean, unbelievable. Oh, I don't know. Shaka Khan, is that cool? Everybody. Um, <laughs> I, I just, uh, he, uh, yeah, so he will be our guest coming up very, very shortly. Um, how's... Lockdown treating you, Sean. It, uh, it, it's, it's frightening in some ways because of what's happening in the South that I'm now very nervous about too much reopening. And I just, I'm so tired of having the mask, no mask conversation. It's just, it's really about, are you self-centered? Or are you not self-centered? Oh, I, I have a thing to add to that. Um, wear your fucking mask. <laughs> wear your fucking mask. The people who have decided that masks are a political dividing line or somehow emasculating, no, no. 
Get it? Because there's the word mask, right? And emasculating. Yeah. That being said, fuck you. Where here? Here's the thing that drives me. <laughs> it drives me mad. It drives me so mad because I spend enough time online. People are like, I have an immune system. I don't need to wear a mask. No, it's not about you. If you are a carrier, and no fault of you if you are, because this is a worldwide pandemic. If you are a carrier, let's say, just for example, you don't properly social distance with a friend. You give it to them. They go home to one of their elderly parents, and that parent dies of COVID-19. Well, then I have two words for you. Fuck you. you. Wear the fucking mask because the mask is not about protecting you. No. Sorry, Sean, if I'm ruining the, 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 you know, the potential return on our show. <laughs> the mask is not about protecting you. It's about protecting other people from you. So maybe you'll just get a light cough. Maybe you'll be like, oh, I got a cold. I don't feel so good. There are other people who, if they come into contact with people that you come into contact with, are going to die the the science is so very simple i'm not even worried about overwhelming our our healthcare system i'm worried about my parents are both in their mid to late 70s fuck you if you kill my parents i will come over to your house and i'll kill your kids in front of you <laughs> i i think we wait, should wait, move wait, on wait, I, i'm just you that, know we got michael that, bland coming up with that please too stick around for the rest was that too strong? No, it's it's hilarious because yesterday I had this conversation with my mom about the people in Phoenix where they're all in these crowded bars uh-huh. and they're all saying, "Well, I'm going to be fine." And I said, "Okay, so just imagine that your your you know grandma is has not left the house in three months. Right. Fourth of July is coming up. We Which always is why do she's the still alive. yeah. We always do the family get together. But Jackass, uh, who has to go to the pub five nights a week and go clubbing, uh, infects grandma. <laughs> my mom goes." He just killed grandma. <laughs> so it's just, she wasn't kidding, but I was like, holy shit. I, and she said, yes, that person should feel guilty because we know that the only person she came into contact with, because she hadn't been out of the house for three months, right. was her jackass grandson who doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. Who went to a phone party. Exactly. Pantsless. Fucking Captain Johansson's, whatever the <laughs> hell the place is called. Just kidding, by the way. I will never kill your kids in front of you. I've yet no. to throw a punch in my life, but I um, just wash your hands, use the sanitizer, wear the mask. I'm there's there's nothing political about what we're talking no, about no. here. There's nothing political about it. Like if you wear a mask, it does not mean you're capitulating to the soft tender wristed left it's just it means that you are like let's try to mitigate this as much as we can do we know everything about it absolutely not can we bleeding heart you bleeding heart considerate person i know i know i know (laughs) go ahead and call me a pussy say it out loud I won't do that i didn't think you would um (laughs) i know you will um (laughs) just all i'm advocating for is Let's try to protect the most vulnerable around us. And by the way, the number of Christians, Christians who are, I'm sorry, oh, by Patreon members. Hitler said he was a Christian. He's beat it. Those are not Christians. Um, If you're a Christian who's like, this is unacceptable. I promise you that I, I grew up Catholic and I read a lot of the Bible. So much of the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> if if Jesus were here and he knew that it would spare more lives 
to be safe, to be smart, to wash your hands, to wear a mask. It'd be like throwing the moneylenders from the temple. He he would absolutely advocate for it because here's the deal. If you're a Christian, Jesus loves you. Now, again, I'm not a man of faith, but I'll tell you this right now, knowing what I know about believers, Jesus loves you and he wants you to live. And more importantly, he wants your grandparents and your children. And what did he say? The least of my brothers to live Wear the fucking mask, wash your fucking hands, stay home if you don't have to go outdoors, the end. And Christians, I'm not mad at you. I don't agree with you, but I'm not mad at you. But if you really believe in Jesus Christ, New Testament Jesus Christ, by the way, Old Testament, that shit is fucking terrible. <laughs> it's I, bizarre. A lot of people got turned into pillars of salt and weird yeah, things. That's negative. But but if if you if you find if you find solace and you find peace in Jesus Christ, I have no problem with that. Well, look at that. We got the hands right over there. Thank you. Paul but, in his Paul in his letter to the Romans, I think what he said that I think was poignant was, "Don't be a self centered douche." <laughs> that's all that's all that you need to know that's all you need to know you're paraphrasing right? i am i couldn't remember if it was colossians or i, I believe it was led to the ephesians <laughs> oh that's what it if was. i'm not mistaken Damn, ephesians are always oh, screwing right. things up just ahead well no i mean I, I feel like they weren't like bad on their own just paul has some things to say to the ephesians he always had something to say Oh, Paul, Jesus Christ. You think I talk a lot? <laughs> Fucking read the Bible. And Thank read God Paul. he didn't have a podcast. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bland's up next on episode 69 <laughs> of the Brian Oak Show. But first, we're going to hear a song that I want to send out in tribute to him. This will be James Brown, Funky Drummer, on the Brian Oak Show.
Funky drummer, James Brown. Now, I'm going to be honest. I didn't grow up with a lot of funk in my household. I grew up in a very white, white place called Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Doesn't mean that there was any sort of hatred or disinterest or divisiveness. I just, I didn't hear a lot of James Brown growing up. Maybe every once in a while on Cool 8, but... Man, Funky Drummer, we're going to be talking to one of the funkiest drummers on the planet mere moments from now, so do not go anywhere. But before we check in with Mr. Michael Bland, we have to talk to, well, Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. How are you? I 
I'm doing all right. You seem pretty funky, too. Are you feeling funky? I'm feeling, a, you know, slightly funky. Yeah, well, you, you don't look it. I'm going to be honest. You, don't, you do not look it. Uh, Sean Bernard is my friend, my co-business owner, my cohort, the producer of the fine Brian Oak Show. Is this episode 69? This is number 69. Mm, more about that later. Uh, <laughs> right now, what I want to talk about is Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company what that means is if you your drunken brother-in-law your (laughs) your relative that you kind of like you don't really care about but you still feel like an obligation because like they they are related to you they belong to part of what you are this is how you help them get back on the road after they have a dui now let's be honest and and to me i thought about this over the weekend actually quite a bit Smart Start MN, they're not draconian. They are not mercenary. They're not sitting there waiting to prey on people who are in a bad situation. They're good people. They love music. They're good guys. They're both highly intelligent. But they know that everybody fucks up once in a while, if you don't mind my use of the French. Um, And what they're there to do is to get you back on the road sooner and for less money and in a more reasonable manner than you ever might have expected to be possible You get pulled over for a DUI, you are losing your license. There is zero way around that. Now, do you want to wait months to get back on the road? Do you want to wait days to get back on the road? I can't specify anything because they're real weird. They play play this shit close to the vest. (laughs) Uh, But you will be back on the road sooner and for less money than you might have thought possible with our friends at SmartStartMN.com. Yeah, just go to SmartStartMN.com slash The Brian Oak Show. They'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. You'll be back on the road before you know it. So let's talk to today's guest. I don't really know where to start because I've met him a couple times in real life, and he's always been super kind and really nice. And I think the first time I met him back was back in, wow, maybe 2003, but he's been doing this for so long. The man we're about to talk to has drummed for Prince, Soul Asylum, Nick Jonas, Chaka Khan, motherfucking Chaka Khan, man, Paul Westerberg, Backstreet Boys, Dr. Mambo's combo so many times that it would be impossible to actually count even if you had the fingers of a mutant. Uh, One, Michael Bland is our guest right now. Mr. Bland, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? Look, man. I mean, like you and I have only met a handful of times, but you know, you know, having been as big a part of the music scene as you've been, and me being around the music scene as long as I've been, it's impossible for me to not talk up the the place that you take the 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 pillar you are, the foundation you are. It's pretty freaking remarkable. So before we talk about your many experiences and the many people you've worked with. I want to know more about Michael Bland, man. Where Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I'm a native Minnesotan. I grew up over southeast Minneapolis, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, Town uh, was my stomping ground. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, really, I'm you know that's that's what I know. That's where I came from. Right, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and no judgment. I'm just curious, man. Like I like to be informed by this kind of stuff, right? Like I live in Southeast, but moreover, like towards Lake Hiawatha, so a different part of Southeast. But I'm also, okay. for the last more than thirty years, been a Southeast. So you're born and raised Southeast Minneapolis, and you are. There's there's nobody who knows your name or who knows who you are who has seen you that can't 
recognize that you are supposed to be sitting behind a drum kit. How old are you, and how does it come to be that you hold your first pair of drumsticks in your hand? Wow. Um, the, around the time I got interested in drumming, uh, there was a, I had a neighbor across the back alley who had a band he was rehearsing with, and uh, one day I was out in the yard kind of playing, and I, I was probably eight or nine, mm-hmm. and I heard this music. And, I, you know, it's, uh, that was when you could just wander into other people's yards and nobody <laughs> would say anything. <laughs> so I just kind of followed, you know, the music, and I found myself, you know, looking down uh, like one of those basement windows. Uh, and the drummer was set up right there. And he was actually a guy who was a friend of the family. His name was, oh, wow, I, feel, I can't think. Jeff Corbett was his name. And he had a brother named Brian Corbett that played on the uh, the uh, Marshall, Marshall UI's football team. And I remember they had the slogan, they'll be crying when they meet up with Brian. So they just lived <laughs> up the street. And um, so I just wandered into, the, into Scott's old mom's yard, and I looked down the, the window, and the drum set's right there, and I'm like, wow. You know, and I kind of, every time I heard them rehearsing, I just kind of would wander over and, one time, somebody came out of the house to go to their car or whatever, and they, they caught me standing in the yard, and they were like, hey. I was like, hey? Uh, <laughs> you want to come and drive? So I, they come on, really? They invited now, you, you know, in? <laughs> you were standing in the yard, and they invited you inside? Yeah, the guy, yeah. It was like, oh, hey. I mean, he's, we, there was some sort of exchange, but it, they ended up inviting me downstairs, and, uh, you know, I watched them rehearse for a little bit. They let me sit behind the kit. That was the first time I held the sticks. All right, so you, and, uh, you held the sticks now, and did you... It's easy to be drawn in by music. Like, I mean, the whole reason I've done what I've done for the last 30 years and why I do the podcast now and why I talk to musicians is my deep love of music. I can't play, but you sat down, you held the sticks, you hit the drums. Did you feel it right away that minute, or did it take some time? No, I think I was terrified to really touch anything. I just kind of touched the sticks, but I didn't really. I might have, you know, just tapped them a little bit, but I didn't know anything about what to do. Not yet. But uh, after that, my father noticed I was taking an interest, so he bought me a kit and uh, and, uh, contingent upon uh, keeping it contingent upon taking lessons. So I started with Floyd Thompson downtown. Uh, Marquette. There used to be uh, Thompson's Drum Shop, mm-hmm. and his he taught in a building, uh, in the building actually next to uh, Lapeep, right there on that on that on Marquette right there. And uh, so I'd go upstairs, you know, every Saturday morning at ten. I was I was his first student, and uh, and I I studied with him until probably I was seventeen, till I was gigging too much to to. <laughs> to, to actually prepare the studies for, for the lessons. You, like, you, you were gigging too much to take lessons anymore is the bottom line. Let me ask you this, man. Yeah. Like at, at some point, though, yeah, you sure. you you get to a point where you're, I mean, like, you know, like especially where we're at now in life, right? You and I, we're both of a similar age. You're probably a little younger, certainly more handsome. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh-huh. like at some point you realize that you made these handful of small choices that even though life might not be perfect, without those choices, 
your life would be nothing like you made before. So it was working with, did you say Floyd or Lloyd? I mean, was working with him one of those things that sent you on that correct path? Well, the deal he made with my dad that I didn't know about was if I didn't have any aptitude for the instrument, he wasn't going to take me. Mm. So it was not a, I had to have some sort of potential right. to even, you know, get on his schedule. So the first lesson, he was just like, well, do this, we'll do that. And I, I seemed to be picking it up. Okay. And so he said, okay, you know, every Saturday at 10. And it was just kind of set that way. Dude, uh, now that kind of pressure, like, I mean, like there are kids who are talking about music lessons, like, Oh, I had to play the piano while all my friends were outside throwing frisbee. <laughs> or, oh, I had to practice my viola while all my friends were out doing high lie or whatever the case may be. <laughs> I mean, like, so when you were growing up and taking these drum lessons and really putting your time into it and your back into it, did you resent it or did you feel like this was the right thing for you? No, I love music. I, I still do. <laughs> but, um, well, same, 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 but loving music is different than having to put in the hours. And for people who are not musicians, which I, I'm very musician adjacent, but I'm not, I, I don't have the drive. I don't have the dedication. I don't have the determination. So I never put in the hours. I bought a guitar at one point. I, mm. I bought congas at one point. <laughs> Thank God the world was spared that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, but, but but I mean, but, but if you're so, talking about, you have to have the right character for the job you that, yes. that you want to do. You, I mean, it's it's hard work even for people who are good. I think that's fair. I mean, I had aptitude, but it wasn't that didn't necessarily make it easy for me. Right. Uh, but you know, I guess I was blessed with a with a father who was a very goal oriented. And and believed in hard work, you know. Yeah, well, and, so, and, and to I, me, that's the whole bit. Like, aptitude is one thing, but if you don't back up, I mean, like, even in my line of work, which I routinely refer to as it is not rocket surgery. Like, you know, like <laughs> you just, you have to have the certain tone of voice and you have to have a certain dedication. But to me, for musicians, because I deeply respect real musicians like yourself, Mr. Bland, and I, um, I'm, I'm glad to be adjacent, but I would never be able to do what you do. But it takes, it takes a real, real amount of love and focus. Aptitude is wonderful and we should all play to our strengths but aptitude is not enough you've got to put in the hours and i know you put in more than a few hours absolutely i, I mean i i man i was uh joining prince's band was going from the frying pan into the fire i mean dude you're talking about eight to ten hours a day rehearsing and sometimes coming back and recording all night so, were you even twenty? Were you even twenty when you joined, or how old were you? I was I was nineteen. Nineteen, unbelievable. So let me ask you this: so like, and to me, this is the interesting connective tissue. Like, I've seen you enough that I'm like, well, the guy is more than talented enough. But how do you even come into the purview of Prince? How does Prince even become aware of you at that point when you're nineteen years old? Um. What literally happened was Dr. Mambo's, I was playing with Dr. Mambo's combo already at 17. Hey, hey, so, no, 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 okay, okay, now now I have to back up, and I'm sorry, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I'm asking another question. <laughs> Dr. Mambo's combo is filled 
with some of the most ninja buzzsaw players I've ever seen in my whole life. How at the age of 17, like, I, I feel like we're missing an important jumping step up from your first time touching the drumsticks to you playing with Dr. Mambo's combo at 17. How does that happen? How does it happen? It literally, well, I have to thank Bobby Vandell for that. Bobby mm-hmm. plays with Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, very sweet, Patty Peterson. Bobby is a, a an industry uh, uh, industry standard and a hero for the, in, in terms of the Minneapolis music community. Bobby was a judge at the Newt Capay Twin Cities Best Drummer Contest in 1986. And, and for those who are not young enough to remember Newt Capay, on <laughs> was it Lindale or Hennepin? Lindale, right? It was, no, it was Hennepin. It was 28th Hennepin. and Hennepin. All right, so 28th and Hennepin. There's a coffee shop or something where they used to But, but if you're not old enough to remember, Newt Coupe was, it was Twin the, Town before it was Twin Town. It, it was literally the music store, and my wife's a good Absolutely. friend of the former owner's daughter, and um, no, Newt Coupe was, again, this whole show is about telling the stories about music and Minneapolis, and Newt Coupe, you're the first person in 69 episodes to mention it, so thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, the side note, the guy, I think the guy who who uh, came up with the cloud guitar for Prince, like the Purple Rain guitar, that, that design with the, uh, I think that guy also worked at New Capay. It's certainly possible. Hey, look, you and I clearly have much more to talk about. And after COVID is over... I'd really love it if you came to our studio. We have our own dedicated studio here on 48th and Chicago in South Minneapolis. Um, we're not done by any means, Mr. Bland, but I would like to get a little music in before we talk anymore. Uh, you picked a couple of Soul Asylum songs, and the first one is Runaway Train. Why this song? Oh, just because. I mean, it's, it's, a, uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> wait, wait, are you I mean did you just mention mailbox money? Is that what you just said? No, no, I mean not not to me. That uh, that money goes into Dave Perner's pocket. I'm oh, just that guy. That it's the calling card. I mean, I've been in Soul Asylum for fifteen years now. So and, I mean I, I remember uh, like I saw you with Soul Asylum more than once and I mean how did you before we get dive into this song that everybody knows and really, like, I was an 80s fan growing up here as an alt kid in the 80s. You know, I saw sure. them open up as Loud Fast Rules for Urban Gorillas, right? And so I wow. saw, I, yes. uh, oh, no, I mean, back at Kaufman Union, like a long-ass time ago, shout out to Larry okay. Sahagan, who is not a normal dude. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, love, I love Larry, though. He's great. Him, all those cats are really cool. Him, Dale P. Nelson from Otto's uh, Chemical Lounge. Yep. I, these are people that... That come around when Solo Fire plays at first Avenue. I love seeing these cats. Oh my God, yeah. Michael! So you you just kind of like cracked open a, an egg that I'd forgotten about. I only Husker Du and Dead Kennedys changed my life, and the only time I saw them sure. was at the old school Armory uh, with yeah autos opening up. Then it was Husker uh-huh. Du. Then it was Dead Kennedys. The only time I ever saw any one of those bands, and it I it was seventeen years old, and it. It changed. It changed the fabric of my reality, man. That's why music matters, right? Like that's why you do it because you st- you still lose it. So here we're going to talk quite a bit more. But first, I think we should hear a little bit of Soul Asylum. Who, Michael? When's the first time you played with Soul Asylum? Ooh, we um, uh, 
the first time we actually played out or the first time we played together? Yeah. Well, so, I, you pick. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, they hired me uh, to uh, play drums on the, the uh, they came out of retirement with a, a record called The Silver Lining in 2005. So we were rehearsing the new material at the rehearsal space, and um, they didn't really know me as a rock drummer. They had been convinced by somebody that, oh, well, he played for Prince. He must be an R&B guy. <laughs> and so it was a hard sell, but I finally got in the room with them, and, they, and things started working out. And the first day, Dave just, I think we were playing closer to the stars, and Dave just, hey, wait, wait. He just stopped the band and said, why don't you just join the band, man? <laughs> I thought about it for about five seconds, and I said, okay, yes. And I was, I'd been sick of, uh, you know, just being like a hired gun and going here and there and everywhere. Right. And they really offered me, you know, a position in, in the organization, you know, as a, a real part of things. And that was the first time anybody really did that for me. Well, so anybody who's, I'm forever indebted. Who, who has never seen Michael Bland play, you're missing out. And I know that this, in this day and age, this is a hard time. We can't get out to see the shows we want to see. Oh, man, my daughter bought me tickets to a festival that we are going to have to just fucking burn <laughs> in a fire, and it sucks. That being said, the day the day will return. We will get to get back to music. We're going to talk to Michael Bland about what it's like not being able to play and what maybe the future will look like and what else he's working on, but not until we hear this song from Soul Asylum on The Brian Oak Show.
laughing at the rain A little out of touch, little in It's just easier than dealing with the Brian Oak Show, number, uh, episode number 69. You know, for me, it's weird because growing up in Minnesota and the number of bands that made it happen in the 80s, I'm thinking Husker Du, I'm thinking Replacements, I'm thinking The Suburbs, 1984 in particular, Soul Asylum started to come on really hard with Hang Time in 88. Now, they had a few great records before that, but they started to come on hard, but not every band that was a good alternative band made it and 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 got to cash in on the alternative revolution of American radio but Soul Asylum did and good for them man I like I like Dave I like Danny I like all the guys in the band Carl oh man rest in peace um I I just I it, it's just it's weird how the music world works and that's why I love talking to musicians and we'll resume our talk with Michael Bland in one moment I just have to hit a couple other sponsors real quick first uh, one would be Busters on 28th who are doing a robust business now whether you're talking about sitting on their patio or just stopping by for curbside pickup their food and their beer and wine are available like if you're like I don't know I'll make all these stops fine go get a Cubano and uh, I don't know a uh, how, what size do they sell wine in? I have no idea. But you can go to the website and they, they now have online ordering. So you can actually go check out what you want and then order it online. And I, it I, curbside. I have no idea about pairing, but I'm certain that there's a wine and or lager that pairs beautifully with their Cubano. Ooh, tasty. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> Busters on 28.com. Also, uh, Sean Bernard is my friend. My, the producer of this show, and also the, um, I, you're like the business guy, because this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people. I'm not really a detail-oriented guy. <laughs> it's going to surprise a lot of people. So we went into business together, but you also happen to be a realtor for Edina Realty at the 50th and France location, but that doesn't limit where you can, I mean, like, so what? what's the radius? How far out can you represent people? Well, anywhere in Minnesota, I'm licensed, uh, and so I'll go quite a ways. I mean, I'm probably 90 miles in any direction. Whoa, but, whoa, but, whoa. If yeah. I want to buy a cabin on Lake of the Woods, you're my guy? Well, you in particular or Michael Bland, but those are the only two people <laughs> that, I'll, that I'll help. But uh, no, so if, you wanna, if you're looking at uh, buying or selling, 612-859-2594, 612-859-2594. I have to say, uh, 
uh, the warming house is actually closing their doors uh, for a while. They're going to look for a new place because of everything that's happened to COVID-19. Right. Um, I'm still donating a portion of my sales to the warming house and local nonprofit music venue and then putting that money towards their new venue, which hopefully will be a little bit bigger and, and have some other features and will uh, be a little bit more representative of the community is kind of their goal. So 612-859-2594. And I have to say, Michael, for me, uh, I cannot wait to see Dr. Mambo's combo again. Julius Collins, I consider a very good friend. Um, and seeing the combo, I've been seeing him for 20 plus years. There's so much damn fun. Well, that's, uh, it, <laughs> that's great. We're, we'll, we'll be able to use the patronage. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what, Michael, let's, let's talk about that for a second. It's Michael Bland joining us on the Brian Oak show. So Michael, we live in an era right now where people are doing stuff online, but you know, you as a musician who gigs more than on the regular, like you are a gigging musician. This is what you do for a living. We live in a super weird time. A lot of people have felt the shutdown. A lot of people have felt the quietude. But as a musician, like, I mean, like, and I've watched a lot of online stuff and I've donated plenty of money to people who are doing their online things. But whether you're a fan or a musician, it can't feel the same way, right? Like it's there, there's this, this loop, there's this thing that we are part of each other. What, what has your life been like? And again, not going too deep, but what has your life been like since lockdown? Wow, I mean, I guess to give you some context, uh, Soul Asylum has a new record out called Hurry Up and Wait. And we were we started touring in support of the record on February 11th. Mm. And we did some Midwestern dates, and then we went uh, out east, and then we crossed the country uh, and did like uh, Denver and uh, not... Vegas, but uh, Arena, and um, and we the the night that we played Los Angeles, uh, which was a triumphant gig, was the night we found out about like they were starting to change things. I heard the owner of the club talking to his staff, saying that you know we're going to have to cut our our capacity in half. Mm. They're saying like no more than this amount of people. Like I just overheard it as we were loading out. And on the bus that we were on, that uh, the the satellite had stopped working. So I hadn't seen cable television, you know, any kind of TV for like probably a week, mm-hmm. week and a half. So I really was not up on what was going on. Um, I hear little, you know, conversations, side conversations happening happening between the band and the crew, and somebody would say this and that. And oh, I called home. They said that. Uh, there's going to be, there's uh, apparently the, this virus that's going around. Like, I really was kind of in my own world, just on the bus, kind of just <laughs> in my own head. And um, we finished the, the gig in L.A., and we drove to uh, San Diego. Um, no, 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 not San Diego. I'm sorry. Um, yes, uh, Orange County. Um, to, uh, to, to get ready to play the belly up. Uh, the Belly Up Tavern in, in, I can't remember exactly the city, what it's called. But uh, in the morning, we find out that the gig has been rescheduled. <laughs> South by Southwest has been shut down. And uh, so basically, 
the bus just turned around and came back to Minnesota. I get off the bus and into uh, my, uh, my van, and my wife just starts telling me, well, there's a quarantine. <laughs> you have to be in the house for 12 days, so on and so forth. She gets me up to speed. We're driving from over northeast where our rehearsal space is at and where the bus dropped me off. And I'm just looking at the city on my way home, like getting on the freeway. And it was a really gray day and there was hardly any traffic. And I was just like, what happened? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, so like, finally, it's, it's like the Omega Man. Like you're suddenly like, kinda. why aren't there any cars on the road? <laughs> why, where are all the yes. people? that I've always seen here in my city. I used to be irritated with them, but now I'm suddenly deeply concerned about where the hell they are. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, from that point, I just, I had to get educated, try to figure out what I could about what was going on, what was happening. And, um, I mean, long story short, I've been in my house since March uh, 18th or so. Oh, Christ, dude, that's a long time. So can I ask you yeah, a question? Are, are you are you a rehearser? Like, do you find the time alone to be therapeutic? Do you find it? But I mean, every anyone who's seen you knows you're already a very accomplished drummer. So do you find yourself diving further into your instrument, or and I don't think there's shame in either direction here. I'm just curious. Do you find yourself like? knitting or watching shit television like i mean like i i think that we're all in a weird spot right now man that's why i ask uh yeah i mean i i mean i play other instruments and i and i i write songs with people and i so i i took the time in between to do a couple of things one of the main things i did at first is just listen to old records like um, okay 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 i'm not i'm not trying to call you out at all but because I work at a record store, uh, as in addition to doing the podcast, I have been throwing myself at old records so hard. Can you throw one or two at not only me, but for the people who listen, that like maybe they would benefit from hearing? Well, I, I got different taste, but I mean, I, I guess a slow pitch would be kind of blue by Miles Davis. Oh. Here's the deal, man. I don't dig jazz, and again, I'm not. It doesn't mean I don't like jazz. It's just it's it's smarter than I am, and I, it's hard for me to. But there are artists in every category. Whether we talk about country, rock, funk, R and B, fucking klezmer, there are certain artists that transcend <laughs> the definition of their genre. Kind of Blue is a record that every single person who is listening and alive should listen to at some point. Even if you don't decide you don't like jazz, Kind of Blue, it transcends jazz. It's part of what we are as human beings alive in the 21st century. I agree 100%. Yeah. So, but a lesser known would be, um, wow, I think uh, the Village Green Preservational Society. The uh, Kinks. Kinks. Holy shit, the Kinks. You're throwing the Kinks at me right now. Incredible. If if you are flirting with me right now, it is working, (laughs) Mr. Bland. It is working. There's a chance. (laughs) I mean, it's small, but there's a chance. There's a chance. Michael Bland's our guest right now. You know, Michael, we've been talking for a while. We should get another song in here real quick before we wrap things up. Um... 
But before we go, I want to know, I mean, like, so you mentioned the latest Soul Asylum record. Will you give me the details and where, if people want to find it, they could best find it? Wow. I, uh, you'd think I'd be better prepared for this. Um, <laughs> you're in the band. You're in the band, Michael. Ban- you're in the band. You can go to soulasylum.com, and okay. I'm pretty sure there's a link there where you can go to buy it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, 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 I, I, and also, if you want to um, uh, donate good money somewhere, we're also um, uh, advocating uh, donations to be sent to the uh, the official George Floyd Memorial Society. Excellent, uh, as well. And right. There's a link on on the uh, on the site as well to go. There. You know, what? if you want to give anything, we'll I, post that as well on our when we promote it. Michael, we'll post that link as well. We absolutely will. I um I was going to save it till the other side of the song, but since you brought it up, um this is your city. This is my city. This is Sean's city. There are a lot of people who yeah. believe in one another and know how to get along, and there are a lot of people who either their heart isn't here or they're not representing where they live, or they just want to watch things burn. And I believe it now more than ever, and I'm not advocating violence, I'm not advocating negativity, I'm not advocating darkness, but I am saying that now, at least philosophically, is a time to draw a line in the sand. Michael Bland, this is our city. Not my city, it is our city. And we watched it burn, man. It was pretty rough. How are you doing? How am I doing with it? I mean, you know, I don't advocate violence either, but I do understand it. You can only only push things so far. You can only put pressure on people, you know, until they decide... Uh, they can't take it anymore. Yep. You know, and I, I and a lot of the damage I think really was done by, you know, I mean, enough people were caught on camera. Yes. Who were were not <laughs> just like we were protesting. Agitators. Like, like the uh, the guy. Yep. That guy was just busting windows. So I mean, yep. you know, I, what I what I don't like is the implication that black people just lost their minds and just destroyed everything in their wake. It, it really, they, that's not a proper narrative. No. I, I believe that there were a lot of people who came up this way. You know, people people saw a lot of vehicles with no license plates on them, and people stockpiling weapons. That ain't us. A lot, a lot of the havoc that got, got wreaked was, was from interlopers or people who were trying to piggyback, you know, on the, on the positive movement forward. You know, I mean, it's... it's uh, I don't advocate the, the violence, definitely don't. But you know what? Uh, it's hard to say whether or not you'd be seeing so much potential for progress right now without it. I couldn't. Be, I, I could not. I could not agree more. And I, I think that anyone who's watched any of the video, followed any of the narrative, been part yeah. of any of the process, would think that these are, if you'll pardon my use of the term, black agitators. These are all people who are bored, who are sad, who are despondent, not trying to equate their situation with the African-American experience, but these are people who have found nothing but despondency in their heart, and they want to show up and burn things. They want to show up and hurt people. They want to show up and watch it all burn. 
and it's terrible. But I also do agree with you had to, what you had to say, Michael, in that it's it's too much, and it uh, it it's it's amazing to me, but also wonderful that finally. Again, I do not celebrate the death of George Floyd at all. I think it's fucking horrific. But um, oh. but for whatever reason, after generations, long before you were born or I was born, so many black men and women murdered with, with, without, without compunction, without, without consequence, just as a matter of course, they just, they, they were allowed to slide by. Finally, finally, we found ourselves at a sticking point where something has to fucking change. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that you can't tell the people how to, how to, uh, protest their own genocide. If you're flirting with so, me I mean, right now, it's still working. I'm, <laughs> I'm flirting. <laughs> but I mean, like, raci- I mean, no, racial really flirting. But I, I'm not trying yeah. to diminish what you're saying. I just, like, what you just said was so, was so, it, it hit my heart. Like, like, you can't tell people how to practice or protest their own genocide. Yeah, that's what it comes down to for me, Brian. Again, I said, it's, that's what happened, and we know why it happened, and, you know, it's it's just important for everybody to work together at this point, not only to keep the momentum going, because I do really, I mean, I really do see uh, the potential for real change. It's it's going to have to be legislative. It's going to have to be, you know, some level of police reform. I mean, I know that, that the term defund the police has got a lot of people up in arms and upset, but it, it doesn't really... It's it's bad wording is what it is, and I'm not sure if that's intentional or not. That's not what they mean. They mean to allocate the, the resources of the police department differently. I couldn't but, agree um, more. You know, know, when people hear defund the police department, like, well, what are we going to do with no police? Like, it doesn't mean the police aren't going right. to be here, right? Like, every one of us, black, purple, white, yellow, brown, et cetera, et cetera, we need a police force but we need one that is formed, but we need one that is balanced with other services that are provided, be that they mental health or economic support or advisory positions. I mean, it, it needs to be a better balance. And if I dare say, we need to get the fucking thugs and bullies out of those leagues. We, we, have, we have to, not only as a police force, as a human race, we have to do better. I agree. There was a time in the history of this country where <laughs> the police were your friend. <laughs> you know, you know, no, you, you count them when you saw them. You're like, oh shit, I'm safe, cool, yeah. <laughs> right. There, there was a point, maybe not for, for all black people. No, you know, no, not for all. No, but at least there wasn't this idea, this pervading uh, thing in your consciousness that. If I have, if I see a police, a police officer, or if I have an, an, a a a run-in with the cops, I might die. <laughs> like that's that's a that's a, 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 a not a new level, but I can't really even really say at what point in history that that it changed where where police became 
an enemy of the people <laughs> rather than servant of the people. Yeah, and, and neither can I. I don't pretend to understand the full dynamics of it. And I also, as a middle-aged, white, cisgendered male, I I probably have had the easiest path to walk of anyone among us. Uh, I can't imagine, I mean, like, I, I've seen cops come behind me and I've been like, fucking pigs. But I'm glad there are cops there. But I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it's like for the average black person when a cop pulls up and gets hostile. It's just. It's too much. So hey, before we wrap up here, because we do have to wrap up pretty soon, Michael. Um, I want to hear one more song, and we're gonna hear another Soul Asylum song. Now, is this off that new record? Got it pretty good. Yes. Yes, it's called Got It Pretty Good, and I believe it's the third song. It was the. I don't remember if we dropped it as a single or not, to be honest. All right, well, that's I think it's, it's awesome. It's got a little sort of, you know, rock and roll part one, part two, Gary Glitter sort of vibe to it. And uh, so it's a bit of a throwback, but I think it's pretty hot. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on. Before we drop this, did you just throw a Gary Glitter off reference on me? I did. And, and, <laughs> and, and now here, here's the deal. Here's, the, but here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know, Michael. No, this, this is the most important part. <laughs> He's been canceled because of his questionable nature. <laughs> I have four Gary Glitter records at home. So know that you and I, we understand one another. A little uh, Soul Asylum got it pretty good on The Brian Oak Show. When I went to the doctor, I was feeling bad. I got it. Trying to see what they had
Oh, sorry. Also <laughs> listening to song on my computer, which I will shut down momentarily. Why can't I shut that down? Working on it. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I was I was so enticed by that particular song. I'm like, oh, wait. Like, you know, like when you grow up, I mean, like I'm an old man, right? Well, relatively old. You're pretty uh, old. Uh, shut up, Sean. <laughs> no one likes you. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, you're like, you grew up with a band and you're like, well, they're probably past writing their best music. That song was fantastic. It's kind of a glamtastic masterpiece. It was really, really good. I just, I went and found it elsewhere and I, uh, because I wanted to save it to my computer. So sorry about that. Hey, it's the Brian Oak Show, episode 69. Um, we are, hang on one second. Working on a couple things. Nope, that's not it. No, no, no. Working on a couple things. Sorry, computers sometimes are not always your best friend. No. <laughs> Michael's like, what's happening? M- Michael, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, 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 I My computer is shitting the bed. I think I don't know if you if you maybe you like you work at Cray and you have computers that like can see through time. My computer <laughs> is fucking garbage. So. I apologize. But it was Grant Hart's computer, so you got to give oh, it a little sh- bit of a... <laughs> oh. That's it really was Grant Hart's computer at one point. Uh, I got to know him, and I got to know his widow, <laughs> and um, oh, man. Michael, um, so let me ask you this. Um, here we are, trying to find our way forward. COVID was already a fucking shit pile of rose petals, except like rose petals that smell yeah. like fucking dog ass. And, um, uh, and, and then, and then, uh, we find ourselves in the city that both you and I and many, many, many other people love. Like this is our home. This is the place we decided to plant our roots or maybe we didn't even get to decide. Maybe it's just who we are. And then this is ground zero for a murder. And I'm totally comfortable calling it a murder because I watched it. You should be. Yeah, absolutely. And and my good friend Jared Brewington, with one of his restaurant friends on that corner, found video that they gave to the press before the, the government could take it. With all the preponderance of evidence, this is clearly a yeah. murder. Now, I know that I have existed with white privilege my whole life. That being said, I chose Southeast Minneapolis as my home. And I've decided that, you know what, I have a, a hopefully, hopefully, you know, praying, still have work to do for sure, a big enough mind to make a life in a culture that is diverse. Like, to me, that's more interesting, right? Like, we benefit from a marketplace of ideas, but there's been so much hatred and so much darkness. And I know we talked a little bit about it, that there were interlopers, that there were were bad people. As a man who still loves Minneapolis, and I also, as a man who loves Minneapolis, as Jared Brewington told me, he's like, I'm not fucking black, but Google. You got to figure it out for your fucking self. <laughs> which I fucking love. It's so good. But I mean, Michael, you know, you and I have hung out together a few times before and we got along just fine. What? Tell me what either what I have to do or what you have to do or how do we 
remind people of our of our mutual human humanity like i how do we how do we remind people that we're all the fucking same thing uh i mean i know that's a big question by the way i know (laughs) i know that's an actual impossible question i'm just looking for your insights into the even into the like the shallow end like i i don't know the answer in the deep end no we're fucked if you ask me we're fucked but i just i'm, I'm just i i'm i'm looking for a, a a way to put our toes in in the shallow end and try to find a way to be better to the people around us black yellow purple upside down inside out whatever the fuck they are we have to recognize our mutual future absolutely um, I would say, first off, uh, I'll just say a couple of things, and, and you can agree or disagree, but um, I think that uh, people who say they don't see color, I've I, I got a problem with that, because plants, flowers, are all different colors, different varieties. That I, I agree that, that things are much more monotonous when you don't have a differential, a, a wider palette. And to see color, if you're talking about humans, if you're talking about black people, to see color is to respect the struggle. If you don't see color, then you, you're, you're negating <laughs> all of the, the permutations and ways in which <laughs> the white supremacist power structure <laughs> has, uh, has had an effect on a certain type of people. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's affected everyone, but differently. It's a Eurocentric situation, so white people have had a different experience in this country than black people. I think that the, the, the easiest thing to do is to imagine that what you don't want for yourself, you shouldn't want for anybody else. And uh, what you do want for yourself, you should want for everybody. So I'm going to jump mean, in. Really, because I, I'm not a religious guy. I'm just going to jump in for one second. I'm not a religious guy or a man of faith, but the one thing I do believe in even though I don't believe in eternal punishment or reward, I do believe in the golden rule. And if I don't believe there's some sort of ultimate sacrifice or some sort of ultimate benefit, it doesn't make sense. But I've known in my heart from the day I was young, the golden rule, you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Look, we're here for fucking 15 minutes, right? Oh, And so I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just like... I, I believe no, I, I believe what you were saying is like, you know, don't, well, A, don't be a dick unless you enjoy other people being a dick to you. <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it keeps it wide open because we, it takes all kinds. And I don't, <laughs> so mm. I guess, yes, I, I agree with that. But I, I mean, it's, I'm getting to the point in my head where uh, I can negate the racial impetus in George Floyd's murder. And instead, I'm looking at it like, okay, that could have been anybody. I mean, you saw when they pushed that old man down on the sidewalk in, a, was that in D.C. or New York? Mm. I mean, police brutality can, can, can run rapid. It doesn't necessarily have to be us. It doesn't have to be black folks. But if it can happen to one person, it can happen to anybody. And that, and that, so, that to I mean, me is the, the It's crew. a matter of human, it's a matter of, of what kind of humans are we going to be? Well, and here's the deal. Mm-hmm. 300 generations from now, we're all going to sort of look the same. Like, we'll mix enough that it won't make a difference. But today... That would be beige. 
But, but well, you know, and beige, beige is fine. I mean, like, you know, maybe I'll sunburn a little less. Uh, but beige is fine. But, uh, you know, there will be a time where where we will. Should we survive that long, right? Between global warming, COVID, whatever the fuck. Um, should we survive that long? There will come a time, and it, it really is my hope. It'll be long after I'm dead and gone that we recognize that we're all the same thing. I've, I, you know, I've been, I've been fuck, blasting about it on social media for 20 years, but it turns out there are still hateful fucking jackasses out there. Hey, we have to wrap oh, yeah. things up. We have to wrap things up, unfortunately. But before we go, you know, it, it almost seems like pandering to the crowd, but damn, people love Prince, and I can't blame them. You know, growing up in the 80s, <laughs> I, um, uh, my first exposure was 1999. And it literally changed my shit. Like it, you know, I know all, all the songs on side one of the four sides were all hits, but you go deeper. Like, yeah. let's pretend we're married. All the critics love you in New York. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites of all time. So you, Mr. Bland had the privilege of playing with Prince. I can, I can, I'm certain that it was not degrading, but oh my God, defining. Like, I mean, I'm certain that I'm certain that he, he worked your ass off because that was his that was his modem right absolutely so we would like to end the show with a prince song is there one in particular that you anything you pick the song you want to hear Wow, man! Why, why are you putting this pressure on me? It's not pressure, man. I, I, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Mick. You will come back on the show again, and once we're past Corona, whatever this bullshit is, we're gonna have you into the studio. We have our own dedicated studio, a mere ten blocks south of where Mr. Floyd was murdered, and we're at Forty Eighth in Chicago, and we will remain here. And I want you in here for real, so don't feel like you have to pick. The only Prince song that ever mattered. Just, just pick, pick a song, pick one song that you love, and don't think too much about it. Go to your gut, give me your first answer. There aren't any wrong answers, man. It's fucking Prince. All right, well, put Uptown on, man. Play Uptown. Uptown it is. All right, here's the deal, Michael. You fucking rule, and thank you very much. And I was not joking when I said you have to promise once we're back open in the world is even a vague shadow of what it used to be, you will come in. Um, you're coming into our studio because we have our own place, and um, I'm not sure if you're a fan of brown liquor, but there's never a shortage of brown liquor here. So, um, <laughs> no. Hey, tell, tell me one more time about the latest Soul Asylum record before we let you go. Uh, it's called Hurry Up and Wait, and it's actually the highest starting record the band's had since Let Your Dim Light Shine, which was uh, Misery. Whoa, one. what? Get off of that so we've been doing pretty well for ourselves. Man. Next year, it should be a strong year for Soul Asylum. You, you are so braggadocious, it's embarrassing. I wasn't the best, Brian. I'm not the best, but I wasn't the best. I couldn't help but take a brief shot, man. <laughs> I hope that you remain very well, stay healthy, because you are coming into the studio in the not-so-distant future. Michael Bland, drummer for Soul Asylum and many, many, many others. Michael, you take care.
Stop.